Houston, we have a podcast. Welcome to the official podcast of the NASA Johnson Space Center, Episode 195, Trailblazing International Partnerships. I'm Pat Ryan. On this podcast, we talk with scientists, engineers, astronauts, all kinds of experts about their part in America's space exploration program. Today, the world comes to Houston to talk about the confederation of nations behind the success that is the International Space Station. There have been people on board the International Space Station for more than 20 years now without interruption. But the story of the beginnings of the project goes back years before that. Short version, not from the very beginning. In his State of the Union message in 1984, President Reagan announced that he had directed NASA to develop a permanently manned space station. Less than two years later, Europe, Japan, and Canada had agreed to participate. The Soviet Union, which flew one joint mission with NASA in 1975, had flown a series of space stations all on its own before launching the first components of the Mir station in 1986. And after the collapse of the USSR in the early 1990s, the Russian Federation agreed to team up with the U.S. and the others. It was an unprecedented global partnership, dependent on the contributions of all and providing benefits to all. Today, representatives from each of the five partner space agencies discuss how they've stayed together all these years and what they've gained from a generation of international cooperation in space. This is the fifth in a series of NASA-sponsored panel discussions in recognition of the 20th anniversary of continuous human presence on the station. We brought you the others starting in February. This time, representatives of NASA and the other partner space agencies discuss how their partnership has worked and improved over more than 20 years now. The moderator is veteran journalist Jean Meserve, and she'll introduce you to NASA's International Space Station Program Manager Joel Montalbano and representatives from the four other national space agencies that make up the partnership. Okay then, here we go. T-minus five seconds and counting. Mark. Hi, I'm Jean Meserve, and it's my pleasure to host a conversation that really is life and world changing. Today, I am joined on the program by the five primary partners of the International Space Station. Uh, let me introduce them now. Joel Montalbano of NASA, Frank DeWin of the European Space Agency, Luke Dubay of the Canadian Space Agency, Junichi Sakai of the Japan Aerospace Exploration Agency, and Sergei Krikalev of Roscosmos with the Russian Federation. Welcome to all of you. Great to have you with us. And a special thank you to NASA for their assistance in assembling these leaders and to the Space Foundation Space Symposium 365 platform. And now, let's go. Joel Montalbano, let me start with you. A lot of relationships don't work for 20 years, but this one has. Can you explain why this relationship is still going on and successfully? Well, excellent question and, and, and hold everyone and, and thank you for getting together today. You know, to me it works because we help each other, we learn from each other and, and we cooperate from each other. You know, throughout the 20 plus years of the International Space Station, whenever we've had a challenge, there's another partner that's always ready to step up and help wherever they can. 
across the 20 plus years that we've seen operations of the International Space Station. You know, we've had those opportunities and every single time it, a partner has reached out to another partner when they were in need. And to me, that has been the biggest success of the International Space Station. Uh, Sergey Krikalev, do you want to weigh in on why this has been successful? Um, Joel already mentioned it, that um, this probably was successful for the last 20 years because it's really started earlier than uh, 20 years ago. Uh, we started our first joint mission in 1975, uh, Apollo-Soyuz mission. Uh, we start our joint flights on shuttle and on Mir station uh, in beginning of uh, 90s. So in middle of 90s. Uh, so I think uh, the main reason why it works after that was because we have a really strong desire to do this. And this was first part. And second part is that we have uh, very good professionals who was doing this because uh, good professionals had uh, really big desire to, to be successful we were successful for these 20 years. There are, as you all know, skeptics on Earth who are asking, why are we spending this much money on space exploration? Mr. DeWin, can you tell us what value the space station has brought to people on Earth? Well, one of the biggest values, of course, is the cooperation itself. And you, we see around the world, it's not always, always so easy for big nations to work together. And this partnership has shown that if you have a common goal, if you want to work together, that you can achieve great things. And I think the example that it sets in that area is tremendous. But it has also brought very specific results. For example, ESA has done the experiment airway monitoring, where we studied the long functions of astronauts on board of the space station. Well, the results of that research have led to new technologies, new tests that can be used on asthma patients. And as a result of that, 300,000 patients have been tested. Uh, 36 million tests have been performed, and those patients have received specific medication for their disease, so it had a direct impact on their quality of life. Another example is, for example, the Melfi freezer uh, that we have on board of the International Space Station. It freezes our samples up to minus 80 degrees. Well, the technology that is used to maintain those kind of temperatures on board of the International Space Stations is now used on big ships that transport gas. And this gas that normally boils off can be recycled. And due to that, we are recycling per year 100,000 tons of CO2 carbon emissions, meaning that it has a direct impact on fighting climate change. These are only two examples, but I know that our partners across the board have many more, have thousands of examples how research, innovation on the International Space Station has directly impacted the life of the citizens around the planet. You know, I'll say a couple things. You know, on the, you know, Frank mentioned the uh, the freezers we have on board and, and the minus 80 degree freezers. You know, we because of the the assets we have on the International Space Station and the the need for us to transport across the globe, we have reached out to help these drug companies that are about to start distributing the COVID-19 vaccine and using our experience and offering up 
this this experience that we have globally to help this global pandemic. So to me, it's just one one of the many examples where we can capitalize on the International Space Station and what we've learned over these 20 plus years to help others and, and to benefit humans on Earth. Political winds blow, leadership changes. Um, Joel Montalbano, let me start with you on how you think these sorts of changes impact the International Space Station. You know, over the 20 plus years, we've had leadership changes uh, in all our agencies and, and, and the governments associated with them. And, you know, throughout that, the, the standard that's been cooperation, and we've been able to cooperate while meeting the different national priorities of the different agencies. And, and to me, the, the benefit of the International Space Station is we work uh, on a physics-based, and physics is the same across the globe. So regardless of any political change and leadership change, we're able to manage and operate the International Space Station. We're able to communicate because we're communicating in a, in a physics-type method we're able to operate and stay below any political type challenges, but we still are able to meet each agency's national goals. Well, your agencies have worked together for two decades now, amazingly. Um, what are some of the things that you are able to do now that you could not do 20 years ago? Mr. Dubay, why don't you go ahead with that one? So in our case, you know, our original operation concept for the Canada Tune Dexter was based on and how the shuttle arm was operated with astronaut driving at every step. But what we do now looks nothing like that. CSC flight control room, which shows the CSC flight controller, is now used a lot. The development of our ground segment is a big part of the uh, ground. Completely controlling the robots from the ground is now most of the uh, way we operate. So we work also with the American and the Japanese partner we also added the capability to capture free-flying cargo vehicle. So since uh, 2009, we have done 43 free-flyer captures. We also have unexpectedly become a key provider for robotic services to external payload. So as a result, the demand of our robotics has gone up and up. So we have started also developing autonomous control on our ISS robots. So this will become the basis for how we design and operate on our future systems. Mr. Sakai, do you want to weigh in on this question of what you can do now that you couldn't do 10 or 15 years ago? Yeah, uh, we are able to proceed a variety of utilization that were not originally expected due to the great efforts of engineers and researchers on the ISS. For example, there is a research in space medicine that will be useful for human future human exploration and the private sector is act actively utilizing the ISS. We are also trying commercial components in ISS. The success of Crew Dragon is also an epoch-making e event. If I may appeal to you, uh, the Japanese experimental module Kibo has both a robotic airlock and a robotic arm to conduct CubeSat deployment and uh, material exposure experiments. There was developed by an engineer's idea after Kibo became operational. We have learned that assets having expandability, uh, expandability fostered the utilization and future needs. I also believe that one of the achievements is that ISS international partners have been also to 
discuss and con consider the gateway, the next human space station based on the ISS co cooperative experiments of, uh, of the ISS program. Has the International Space, Change, uh, space Station changed your countries and your country's aspirations in space? This is something I would like all of you to respond to, but Mr. Krikalev, why don't we start with you? Has it changed the outlook? Um, in the beginning, of course, uh, although we have experience of uh, international cooperation on previous stages, but still was a pretty big concern uh, how well we can uh, work together, uh, what is going to be a result of our work and uh, how we will move forward together. Now we know that um, this uh, partnership is working really well and uh, now we are looking on the station not only as on a platform for uh, current exploration, but also as a platform for future exploration. We use uh, space station as a test bed for uh, new technology, for new uh, experiments that uh, result of this experiment we expect will be useful for future space exploration uh, beyond low Earth orbit. Uh, Mr. Dwin, do you want to weigh into this? Obviously, uh, countries plural in your case. Um, has the ISS changed things uh, in terms of um, space aspirations in Europe? Uh, absolutely, it has changed a lot. Uh, I'm coming from a small country myself, Belgium, uh, but nevertheless I was able to fly to space twice. Without an international cooperation uh, like the International Space Station, this would of course not have been possible. And today we see we are actually starting a new astronaut selection in Europe in the next uh, months. We see that a lot of uh, countries have the aspiration to have their citizens flying to space. And uh, I'm sure that in the future, every European citizen can, can have these dreams. And this is, of course, relating directly to young people who have to invest in STEM, uh, science, technology, engineering and math, uh, skills that we will need to build further our society in, in the future. Uh, but of course, it's not only linked to human spaceflight and to what we do on board of the International Space Station. Uh, there are so many other domains in space, uh, uh, navigation, earth observation, telecommunications, where we will need a lot of people and the fact that we can work in cooperation, that there is a visible element that people can see in the sky every night and say, my citizens, they are flying there, they are working there for the benefit of humankind has uh, dramatically changed uh, the way that Europeans look to, to space. Uh, Luke Dubay, how about your, what are your, your thoughts? Yeah, so our contribution, the Canadian arm, has allowed Canada to become a world leader in space robotics. It's also gave us the access to a big laboratory for science and allowed Canada to have its astronauts fly long duration mission and international cooperation. It's also helped promoting the space in Canada and was key for the development of such in the industries and the academia. So it's inspired future generations in science and technology education. So it's a dream to come true for many Canadians. So we are very proud to contribute to such an important research opportunities. It is largely thanks to the ISS that the space community in Canada are now setting their sights on destinations like the Moon and Mars. So for 20 years, the ISS has been a vital test uh, bed for that enables us to prepare to explore deeper into space. So the Canadian Space Agency is very proud to play a big role in this endeavor. Joel Montalbano, your thoughts? 
you know, as, as you heard from Sergey and Frank and, and Luke, this space station has inspired a, a generation that is going to take us from low Earth orbit where we are today to return to the moon and then eventually to Mars. And, and we're using the experiences we have on the International Space Station. You know, going back to your last question, you talked about things have changed over the last 10 or 15 years. And when we first started this project, we each of the agencies had had really individual, a lot of individual projects. And what we've learned over time is if we work together and we cooperate and we combine assets and combine resources, we can do much more with the International Space Station. And, and that, that, um, that learning that we've done in the International Space Station has spilled over outside of just human spaceflight. In the, uh, in the science mission directorates that we cooperate internationally across the different agencies, we've taken the lessons learned from Space Station and we've used that to cooperate in those areas as well that they based it on what we did on the International Space Station. So to me, just it's it's been pretty cool. It's been cool to watch and it's been uh, just a, an awesome adventure so far. And if I could just follow up on that with you, um, in the current uh, world of budgetary constraints, is this kind of international cooperation necessary in space, simply from a financial point of view? It, it's mandatory in my mind. Um, you know, we've learned a long time ago that any single agency does not have the resources to do everything they, they want to do. And, but when you combine, you put all these agencies together, we can accomplish so much more and we have been. And the cool thing is we, we've demonstrated, well, we don't just talk about it, we do it. And, and that's one of the best things about the International Space Station. I'm a little biased as the, as, you know, the NASA program manager, but I can tell you the, the people we're talking to today, I, I know would, would sign up right behind me and agree. Uh, Mr. Sakai, we didn't get your thoughts on that initial question of how the ISS has changed your country and its aspirations in space. Oh, well, um, I guess I, the ISS program and its accomplishment has changed the LEO utilization easier than previous. It is not only allowed for some special person, but for everyone having what he wants to something, wants to try something in LEO. ISS accomplishment in many different areas, uh, for example, basic science, scientific research, uh, practical research leading to industrial industrialization, education of use of the next generations, international cooperation, etc. And JAXA as a only ISS participant in Asia provides opportunities for Asian countries to utilize the keyboard while building cooperation in the space field and promoting the significance of space experiments for each country. Uh, space is becoming more and more of a commercial enterprise, and I'm wondering how that's going to change uh, the ISS and potentially your partnership with one another. Joel Montalbana, you want to handle that first? All right. You know, so the first 10 years of, of Space Station were dedicated really to assembly. And then after assembly, we moved into a utilization research technology development where we're actually optimizing the use of the International Space Station. 
And then in these last, say, five or six years, we've been developing this this commercial market in the U.S. and and working with our partners to understand, you know, what it means to them and and how we could help and how we can utilize the great space station we have. You know, in in our mind, we've um, we've been able to optimize with these commercial partners the use of the International Space Station. This weekend, we had the 100th launch of the Falcon 9 rocket. And, you know, because we've helped develop that rocket, we've helped develop the Antares rocket for Northrop Grumman. And we've taken those activities as well as other activities, and we brought items to the International Space Station. We opened doors to the International Space Station for additional research and utilization technology development on board. And now we've opened these opportunities to commercial, and and it's not just NASA. Russia has done it. Canada has done it. You know, ESA has done it. JAXA has done it. We've all, you know, we're all starting in different places, but we're all moving and trying to optimize the the use of commercialization and use this great resource that we have on board the International Space Station. Uh, Sergey Krikalev, you want to weigh in on that commercialization question? I can just add uh, what uh, Joel said that we really started from uh, some simple things like uh, we were flying tourists or uh, flight participants, uh, as we call them, uh, to space, and it was only one side of uh, commercialization. Uh, but now we see much more opportunities, such as uh, commercial experiments, and we know that some uh, some companies need some data uh, using space environment, and we can use it. Uh, space station can be used provide this data. So uh, the variety of uh, commercial application is much bigger than it was uh, a while ago. Uh, Frank DeWin, uh, from the European perspective, any downside to the commercialization or is this all a big plus? Well, the main is a big plus, of course. And again, it shows very clearly the agility of the partnership uh, because uh, uh, we have done so many new things with this uh, partnership uh, under this uh, agreement that was signed uh, now probably 25 years ago and that we have been able to adapt to the new environment and to the new world. Uh, of course, it also puts some strains on the on the system because uh, the commercial companies, they want their data quicker, they want better access, they want easier access. So it also strains on our side, the, the way that we operate, we need to completely, uh, continuously rethink what we can do, how we can better now service a customer, uh, another customer, because initially our customers were only the scientists and they were used to work with us. Now we have to get used to work with other entities that have other drivers. So it's not always easy, but it shows for the agility of the partnership that again, not one of the agencies apart is, is able to do that, but through the cooperation, through exchanging experiences, how we do that, we are able to manage this uh, this great new endeavor. And at the end, of course, the aim is to build an economy in low Earth orbit. Uh, the aim is not that we as agencies, we continue to operate and, and to fly and, and, and to build everything in low Earth orbit, but that there is a real economy and we are just one of the users of the systems that will be there. And then we can focus, as was said already by uh, a number of our guests, uh, we can focus on exploration, the gateway going to the surface of the moon and eventually to Mars. This is where uh, we should have to shift our focus of the agencies in the next 10 to 20 years. Um, Could I just follow up a moment and ask you about the strains that the commercial um, enterprises are putting on the system? Can you be specific about what you're talking about? 
Well, of course, if you have a commercial company that says, I want to do my research on board of the space station, they want to have, of course, a guarantee that they can fly. They want to have a return on investment. That's uh, everything that is there about the commercial companies. So how do we manage this at, as agencies? How do we put the priorities right with our member states, especially in ESA, because they fund the national science? How do we manage all this different inputs that we are getting, these different requirements that we are getting. And this is something that we need to learn. Uh, we are not there yet. We are not fully 100% proficient yet, but I'm sure that we will get there over time. Sergey Krikalov, um, what advice you might have for future projects that are this complex? Um, I think uh, what we experienced from very beginning that on top of uh, regular work relationship, we start to build a personal relationship inside the program. And I think this is very important because we, in this way, we can trust to each other, we know each other better. And I think, uh, from my point of view at least, it's one of the big advantages we have uh, through this program because now I have friends in Europe, in European Space Agency, in States, in Canada, in Japan, and uh, with some people we work closer together in space, with some people we were working uh, together here on the ground and mission control. Uh, but I think this is probably one of the reasons why our program was successful, because we uh, start to build uh, trust to each other. And I think it's based on a personal relationship, and I treasure this as a, as a part of my life experience. And in terms of the challenges of designing and building, what did you learn? What would you do differently if you were to do it again, Mr. Krikalev? Um, I think we we have different uh, learning on different stages because sometimes uh, we try to do things standard and it has some advantages, but also the life shows that uh, things still different. We have one voltage on Russian segment, we have a different voltage on uh, US segment, and it has pluses and minuses. And because station is basic, basically the lab where we can learn uh, what is the best way to operate, uh, having a variety of uh, technical solution. Uh, we will have more data. And even if we found out that one of the solution is not as good as another, but if we wouldn't try, we wouldn't know about this. So I think uh, uh, having this variety is also good uh, for the station and for the program in general. Mr. Dubay, what are your thoughts on this, on the challenges of design and build and what might be done differently? Yeah, I think the, the, the fact that it's so complex, there's a need probably to have continuous communication between the partners, especially during the de design phases, because there, there will be a lot of changes that will impact each other. So uh, we need to better define the interface and well define also the role and responsibilities of every partner. I know like on the ISS program at the beginning during the design phase, we had a couple of changes over time and it, that impacted us on our design for the Canada Arm and, uh, and it cost a lot of money and also had a big impact also on the schedule. So those need to be defined clearly and also uh, on a regular basis to make sure that at least we could react quickly on those changes. So. Uh, Joel Maltabano, do you want to weigh in on this as well? Um, how future uh, projects that might be very complex might have learned from the ISS experience? The, my biggest advice, and I talk to our Gateway folks all the time, is you can't start soon enough talking globally. 
you got to get out of this 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 idea of you know a single agency item this has to be a, a global endeavor it has to be a global partnership and and the sooner you can start working together and the sooner you can start sharing you know desires needs requirements on how you want to operate to me the, you you can't start early enough the, the, it's a huge benefit of the international space station you know when when we first started it you know we were all kind of getting to know how each other operates and and you, you can imagine that comes with some different challenges um you know think of uh of a marriage you start with a marriage you know you it's it's you're starting to learn each other today we operate and and, and again i'm probably a little biased i believe we operate seamlessly you know when we have an issue we're ready to work together and we can solve things so much quicker today than we did in the early days. And it's because of what we've done and you know, with our global partnership. And so I tell the Gateway guys all the time, start early and, and keep pressing in that direction. And specifically, I presume when it comes to design and build, you have to get talking to one another at the design phase early, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, it's, it's you know this this pandemic makes it hard right to for some for some people and and it's harder for us you know no doubt but the beauty of space station is because of all the different time zones uh we've already been operating remotely we got a lot of practice in the international space station so while the the pandemic has added different challenges we can't see each other face to face like we like we need to and like we you know we we've done in the past we have some experience on this and we're able to use that so i'll tell you that while the pandemic's been hard on on everybody it could have been a lot harder if we didn't have this partnership already well established Somebody else want to weigh in on this question of boundaries being pushed out further and further and, and, and how the partnership can help enable some of these very ambitious missions that are now on the drawing boards. Um, Sergey uh, Krikalev, you want to take a stab at that? Uh, Joel already uh, talked about this, that if uh, we work together, uh, all the time we work in, in some limits. We have uh, financial limits, we have uh, work uh, resources uh, limitations, and uh, working together, we can, f uh, inside the same limits, we can uh, move uh, much further. Uh, com combining our efforts, we can uh, do more things than we, uh, we would be able to do if we uh, walk alone. Mr. Dwin, I wanted to ask you this same question about pushing out boundaries and how the ISS lessons uh, can be applied and, and will enable future missions. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's mandatory that in the future, if we want to, to go further, that we will have to cooperate, that we will have to work together. And again, the friendship and the trust, and the, the word trust was used a couple of times, that we have built in this partnership has allowed us, for example, to, to move much faster in the, the way that we have set up the Gateway program. But the Gateway program is, yes, it's, it's going towards the moon, but at the end, we all want to explore together the surface of the moon. And even later on, we want to go to Mars. And this will be impossible if we don't continue to build this trust, build on the lessons that we have learned from the ISS, and, uh, and yes, work together in ever more complex missions and ever more complex uh, systems because yes the iss is very complex but imagine that uh, one day we have to fly with uh, uh, six or ten young people uh, to mars and, and bring them safely back 
the complexity of that today, we, I don't think that we can even imagine. And so we will need all the forces and all the minds, bright minds, in all the agencies that uh, are there around the world. Um, Joe Maltombano, I, I'd like to uh, come back to you. You have offered a few thoughts already um, on, uh, on what other space agencies might learn from the ISS experience. I'm wondering if you have any additional words of wisdom that you would like to share. Probably the, uh, you know, in addition to what I've said is my words of wisdom to them would be just get started. Try, you know, you don't have to go for the the biggest uh, the biggest success right off the bat. Try and fly a payload or two on the International Space Station. See how that works. Try and understand the processes. Allow us to to show what we can do as a partnership. You know, fly a small payload, then fly a larger payload, then fly a person on board. You know, you see some of the work with UAE, where they United Arab Emirates, where they flew an, an astronaut on board the International Space Station. So they're they're taking steps over time. Uh, get in the game is would be my my biggest uh, my next set of wisdom is just get in the game and uh, let us play together. Mr. Sakai, do you have any thoughts on this that you'd like to share with others? Yeah. Um... Uh, I'm not sure that this is the uh, appropriate word, but uh, ISS pro program allows to stay non-ISS partners or participants, astronauts at ISS. As you know, may, as you may know, Los Cosmos has already medi mediated uh, several private astronauts. The Crew-1 launched successfully on November 15th, so I guess the area, the era of commercial human space flight will open up soon. If the country hesitates the human space flight, not learning human space environment or its difficulties, I recommend to try the uh, onerous, onerous service of ISS utilization to demonstrate the technology for the human space environment. Uh, through, the develop, uh, through this de demonstration, they can uh, learn the philosophy of a human space flight and the detailed requirement of human safety. Uh, in the future, a human space activity will expand from the LEO to the moon, but the further, but further we go, the great, greater the cost of uh, transportation and communication and the greater the technical risks. It is difficult to carry out a mission in a single country, and I believe that the most economical and efficient way to carry out a mission is for the countries to cooperate with each other in a mutually beneficial relationship. I hope a lot of countries develop their own strengths and promote international corporations using their strengths as a contribution. Uh, Mr. Krikalev, do you have any additional words of wisdom you'd like to share with some other space agencies around the world? I would like to say that uh, human space flights is very wide area and um, it's not necessarily to fly a person to space to, to be participant of this uh, human space flight exploration because uh, like uh, space or human space flight related science it can be life science it can be uh, fundamental physics science it, uh, there is a big variety of uh, activity that can be done by especially new agencies they can do uh, specific uh, scientific experiment and in many cases uh, it can be done on automated uh, spacecraft on satellites 
but uh, in many cases it's much more efficient actually to do on human space flights. So really, uh, space station is a very good test bed for new uh, experiment, new tests, uh, preparation for future flights, and uh, being participant in this uh, has very different, very many different applications. I want to thank all of you for your comments and reflections on what has been just an incredible international space station adventure. We're grateful to everybody for taking part in this and we look forward to even more shared adventures living off of planet Earth and a future with even more bold milestones. Thanks so much. NASA's first efforts in the realm of human spaceflight, Mercury, Gemini, and Apollo, were designed to satisfy a national goal, an American goal, of winning the space race by being the first country to put people on the moon. But as the space age progressed, NASA's collaborated with the world's other national space agencies more and more to achieve a succession of advances in human spaceflight, sharing the costs incurred as well as the knowledge gained. The International Space Station is an unmistakable symbol of the success of that joint international effort and an example of the kinds of success the inhabitants of planet Earth may be able to achieve if they continue to work together on efforts to return to the moon and to go on to Mars. Well, there's more to come on this celebration of the space station's 20th anniversary. The next discussion focuses on the future what the International Space Station has helped the nations of the world build and how that will contribute to their future in space. Coming up in a couple of weeks. You can go online to keep up with all things NASA at nasa.gov. You can find the full catalog of all of our podcast episodes by going to nasa.gov slash podcasts and then scrolling to our name. You can also find all the other cool NASA podcasts right there at the same spot where you can find us, nasa.gov slash podcasts. The panel discussion in this episode was recorded on December 8, 2020. Thanks to Alex Perryman, Gary Jordan, Nora Moran, Belinda Polito, and Jennifer Hernandez in putting together the podcast, and to the NASA JSC External Relations Office for putting together this episode of the Anniversary Panel Discussions. We'll be back next week.